Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. squad and welcome to ranks fc it's your favorite football podcast back with a main episode for another week we hope you enjoyed the extra episode that we dropped on monday a post box taster of what it's like as part of our ultras community my name is jack collins and i will be your host today as we roll up towards transfer deadline day and joining me is the rank god mr sam Tsai. how you doing mate hello yes i'm very well thank you mate how are you yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. And of course, our very hardworking transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Busy few days, DJ. It has been, mate. It has been a very busy uh, few days. Um, He's what day is it? Tuesday. I've never what seen him flustered in my life. It's just too much going on. My my phone is mental. Um, and so are just the amount of rumours you have to check out. Like, there's so much out there. And I don't know, some of it I write off and then some of it I'm just too scared to write off and have to actually check it and then do updates from there. So yeah, today we've got 10 deadline day dilemmas Ten. That people are facing. I mean, look, Ten. it could have been a hundred. This could have been 110. I've picked 10 that I just hope will still be live situations by the time people are listening to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, a that's, it's a risky move. This is a risky Tuesday game. And yeah. I want you to all please give me um, the benefit of hindsight here when you're listening and be like, okay, maybe when he, maybe when he talks about this, it, the, the situation was still live. So I've picked ones that I hope are, are still live and at least, um, are still topics we can talk about and they'll be they'll be interesting by the time we get um to deadline day and even beyond if you're listening to that point so um yeah i think it'll be fun yeah ten, I think it'll be fun dean, too. Ten, 10 might be a record is that ten, I, I asked dean ten. to do the ranking for the pod and he goes gone then and he he decides to blow me out of the water yeah, double yeah, anything yeah, i've ever managed your monarch your monikers in in, in je- jeopardy here is how i would yeah. phrase this yeah. I mean, rank god dean jones off, off i mean there's going to be varying detail on these 10 so um you'll see when we get there okay absolutely well it's considering you're doing 10 dj we'll let you off with with no things we love but i'm going to start us off um okay. because i think this could be fun well actually you know what i think this was fun i'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to the weekend and there's a lot of chat at the moment on social media about this whole richardson doing some keepy uppies and showboating and seen some comments from from the likes of Didi Haman saying this isn't what the game's about. He should be booked for it. Um, and then some also some reaction to the fact that Brennan Johnson went and wiped him out afterwards, being like, "Oh, it's just reckless." As well. I think both of these things are brilliant. I, I really, really enjoyed both of them. I enjoyed Richarlison showboating, but if you're going to give it out, you got to take it. And I enjoyed Brennan Johnson wiping him out. I was like, "That's it." Totally. You know, I think that this was fun and. I think we're in danger sometimes of of losing the joy in football. You know, there, there's a lot of chat these days about not being allowed to over-celebrate and, you know, Arsenal getting a kicking for celebrating so much against newly promoted Fulham. But you've just scored a winner in the, you know, post the 80th minute. Of course they're going to be celebrating. They turned around, you know, 1-0 deficit to a 2-1 win. And 
just thought the whole kind of discourse around the Richarlison thing, he's done some keepy uppies, that's fine. He's, you know, he's having the he's crack. Brazilian. No one around him. He's Brazilian. You know, no <laughs> that's one why was, he's here. No one was shouting at Curlon <laughs> when he was doing the seal, were they? No one was, yeah. no one was going off at him. I'm, I'm not sure, but I also enjoyed the fact that Brennan Johnson was like, not on my pitch, you know, not not in my house or my home, you know, not in Forest not Academy. Not on my manner, Not on son. my manner, exactly. He <laughs> cleans him out and I'm like, very good, everyone involved. Hope we've, I hope we've all had a yeah. very nice time. I just think some of the posturing around this has been absolutely ridiculous. I wanted to put on record that I'm here for showboating and I'm here for if you're giving it, you've got to take it as well. Um, and and yeah, I, I've really enjoyed both of these things and I've been stunned by how negative the discourse has been around this. So I just want to say, bring back joy in football, bring back over-celebrating, bring back, you know, I, we had it last week with, with Ivan Tony copying Mitrovic's celebration, Mitrovic scoring the winner and, uh, and and then going off and being like, I think Ivan Tony, he's, he's idol. You know, yeah. This yeah, is what yeah. I'm looking for. That's narratives and storylines and fun and like a little bit of, of edge to it. It's great. It's great. We want more of this kind of stuff, not less of it. So I just wanted to, to tap that in as my thing I love this week. Shouts out to everyone involved in the whole saga. And with that, Sam, I'm going to pass to you. <laughs> yeah, lighten up, everybody. Lighten up. Uh, look for the things you love in football, not the things you hate. And uh, I've got something I love. It's Ander Herrera returning to Athletic Club because we love, love a homecoming. Stuff. Don't we? We love a homecoming. homecoming. And Herrera is back in the Basque country and I'm delighted to see it. Um, He's done some unbelievably sweet social media work this past week. Have you seen it? Posting some lovely videos. Although their, uh, same, their announcement video of, of him kicking a ball from Paris to and going around the world twice and landing in yeah. Bilbao was, was quite something. Yeah, it's unrealistic. He could probably only yeah, do I, one lap I of the world. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, two was too exactly. much, clearly too much. But it was a lovely goodbye video, lovely announcement video. You know, And he said goodbye to Paris in the sweetest way, wished them luck in their Champions League pursuit. He said, I, I know you're desperate for it and I'm certain that you're going to get your hands on it soon. Obviously, he was part of the team that, that very narrowly lost out to Bayern Munich in that really edgy final that lost 1-0. And, um, and then he puts another video out, you know, when he's um, when he's unveiled with Athletic, you know his family getting settled back in, the fans all gathering for his presentation, him passing the famous statues. It's been it's been really sweet, and you know, believe it or not, guys, it's been eight years since Ander Herrera turned out for Athletic wow. Club. Eight years, which means it's been ten years since Ander Herrera and Athletic Club, managed by Marcelo Bielsa, took to the Old Trafford pitch and absolutely blew. Alex Ferguson's Man United away in one of the best Europa Sir League Alex games Ferguson. I've ever Give me his seen. Monica, Sam. He lost his title that day. Sir Marcelo <laughs> Bielsa took it off him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, honestly, one of the most thrilling performances I can remember. And Her- I, w- I went back and watched the uh, the extended cut of that this morning. Herrera was amazing that day. He got a beautiful little chipped scooped assist over the defensive line for Oscar de Marcos, who's still at the club. And he was linking brilliantly, playing in tandem with Ica Munayin, who's now captain of the club. Like, it's just so heartwarming. And look, he comes back. He won four trophies for Man United. He got player of the season in one of those years. Then he went to Paris. He won six trophies, came oh so close to the Champions League. He rejoins Athletic. Athletic are looking fantastic, by the way. Unbeaten, seven points from nine. Haven't conceded a goal. They should have won their opener as well. They, I don't know how they didn't. They should be nine from nine. They're looking good. And Herrera's still got loads in him. This is a lovely reunion. 
Yeah. It must, I mean, in a transfer window, I mean, this is just a unique club, like when it comes to it, because there's about five players you can look at signing. They've all yeah. got, they've got a few from the Basque country. So you're like, right, what's our options? Same five as the last window that's still aren't at the club. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you've also got that fear that's probably been built in recent years of actually having your best players taken away, whether that's like Kepper or whatever. And like they, they've obviously made some good money in recent years, Athletic, but... Yeah, Laporte um, was a it's lot, hard but to, you... It's hard Laporte, to spend it, right? <laughs> like, it's hard to spend it because there's no one to spend it on. Like, you're just dishing it around the town because there's nobody else to buy. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> in Yaki Williams, you're hoping that nobody's noticed that he's a really good player because that's it. He's on I like a 27-year good... contract though, isn't he? So that's probably fine. <laughs> has to be, has to be. <laughs> Can't replace yeah. him for the next 27 years till his son comes through. Um I mean, Herrera, Herrera, yeah, like, you know, yeah. Athletic have got, you know, they're pretty well stocked for centre mids. Not going to lie, it's not really a position where they're struggling. They've got plenty of options. But when, but when the but when the opportunity to re-sign under Herrera comes up, you take it. You just take. There's it. a good quote from him. He was like, um, "This club leaves a special mark on you. You might leave Athletic, but it never leaves you." Yes, Aww. love yes. that. Love Go on, once yeah. a lion, always a lion. Having a great yeah. time. We need we need athletic club shirts with his name on. Yes, we maybe we'll have to we'll have to get some hold, hold of them. It's a very heartwarming story, though, Sam, and I very much enjoyed it too. So I'm glad that you picked it out. Um, but that's going to be the end of our truncated things we love section because we've got a lot to get through in the main ranking. So we'll be back after the break. Don't go anywhere. Are you missing out on games you'd want to watch because they're not broadcast in your region? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're in the UK, but you'd rather listen to commentary from our old pal Derek Ray, why not give something new a go? Using NordVPN and the click of a button, you can do just that. And the same goes for our US listeners who are desperate for those dulcet tones of Peter Drury or Martin Tyler. There's no need to travel to Japan if you want to watch the J-League or Austria to keep an eye on the latest youngsters flying off the RB Salzburg pipeline when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no game is out of your reach. Using our link nordvpn.com forward slash ranks FC, you can try it for a free month. And also there's a huge discount on their two-year plan. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for a big old main ranking. DJ, over to you. Yeah, so as we mentioned before, a bit tricky time in this one. We're recording on a Tuesday to predict what happens between now and 11 o'clock on Thursday night. And in this stage of the transfer window, 48 hours is a long time. Uh, we should point out the way that the twists and the turns can happen at this point. I mean, it might be an agent as a player, he's been unable to move to where he'd like him to go and then starts touting them around other clubs. You'll have clubs who have got players on the fringes of the squad or that have been causing a bit of hassle in the dressing room. And they consider putting them on the market at, probably a reduced fee at this stage um, if they haven't already got um, a club after them. Also weigh up, could we send this player on loan? Could we get their wage bill off? Um, could we stop paying that? Uh, and then the players themselves, obviously, there's there's players who either push for a move because they're not in the team or because they know that there is a specific club that wants them to demand a transfer so that they can actually get out of the door. We've got a lot to get through in this episode. Um, yeah, there are 10 situations I'm going to address um, and it's going to be fun. And I'm going to start at number one with the biggest player in the world in Cristiano Ronaldo, because this is the biggest story that can potentially unfold between now and 11 o'clock on Thursday. And even if you're listening to this and the window's shut or this the transfer has happened, 
Like it's a, it's a big storyline for both Man United and for Cristiano Ronaldo. Remarkable, really, that like two days of a window left. Like Ronaldo is looking for a new club. This is this is pretty weird. He's also, I reckon, Man United's sixth choice attacker. I genuinely think we've got to the stage under Ten Hag where Ronaldo is behind Rashford, Martial, Sancho, Anthony and Alanga. I'm throwing in Alanga. <laughs> Ronaldo just doesn't fit into what United are building, does he? Like, so I'm probably being a little harsh there. Maybe he's fifth, but I think he's sixth. Yeah, I'm going with sixth. Ronaldo's sixth choice forward at Man United right now. No wonder he's looking for a transfer. Let's look at... Uh, right now anyway, where he could potentially end up. Napoli, Marseille, Sporting, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea and Ajax. These are the six that are being mooted as his most likely, if possible, destinations um, before the window that slams shut. And obviously some of these more likely than others. Ajax, I'm not even going to bother talking about. I don't believe I say, that's Ajax? I don't you know. I, I, I didn't... went 10, I was thinking Ajax. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I I didn't even bother looking. I saw he was mentioned in a couple of articles. I I'm not looking to that. He's not going to Ajax. Um, they got loads of money to be fair. Yeah, but <laughs> similarly, <laughs> he doesn't really fit with the ethos. Um, Marseille, they've got Dimitri Payet and Alexis Sanchez. The, the, uh, they've played this down. I'm I'm taking it um, at face value and being like, <laughs> Ronaldo cannot join Marseille right now. Don't see it happening. So I'm discounting those two straight away. Now, um, Atletico Madrid is an interesting one because of the size of the club. It's Madrid. Obviously, it's not Real Madrid, so you've got to take that into account. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but I can see why he would potentially be interested in the profile of the club. I think Napoli and Sporting have got a lot more interest in on the back of the Champions League draw. Now, um, we know that Ronaldo's drive to leave United initially was because they're not in the Champions League. Um, since then, I think it's become oh, it's become clear that it's not just the fact that United aren't in the Champions League. It's because he does not fit with the current style of play at Man United and is falling down the pecking order whether he likes it or not because he doesn't fit in. United publicly say it's not for sale. Privately, they're open to options, even alone for one year. So let's see... What could happen here? Now, Napoli, their Champions League group, Liverpool, Rangers and Ajax. Like That's a really interesting Champions League group and there's opportunities there. So if he was to join Napoli, the chances are he'd make his debut against Liverpool in the Champions League. <laughs> like I'm here for that. I'm totally here for that to happen. But, you know, you look at that group and it's perfectly feasible that Napoli could get out of that group and it's an exciting one too. Like those style of fixtures, like that's the kind of games he still wants to be involved in. But there's still reservations. I'm told that he doesn't really see his family. You know, he's got a young family right now. He doesn't really see himself moving to Naples at this stage. Um, and on the flip of that, you have Sporting. And you think, well, if ever there's a place he can see himself living, it's a place where he has an absolutely unbelievable home waiting for him because he's got a ridiculous property in Lisbon already. And he's also building the most ridiculous house I've ever seen pictures of half an hour away from Lisbon um, which is supposed to be a home for his retirement but I'm sure he wouldn't mind again a little bit earlier the family can stay there he stays in the, the flat if you can call it the flat um, he's already got in Lisbon which is <laughs> equally ridiculous um, so yeah but there seems to be a bit more going for for the sporting move especially as their Champions League group helps his legacy Sporting have been drawn against Spurs, Marseille and Frankfurt. 
goals, goals, goals available for Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, I think the reason he doesn't really want to go back to sporting is because he probably considers that the league isn't up to Cristiano Ronaldo level right now, right? That's probably the main thing holding him back from the week-to-week grind of playing in that league. Hmm. But maybe this opens the door a little bit to to him opening his mind a little bit to it. And like, how can they get this deal done financially? Because they certainly can't pay 500 grand a week for him. They couldn't even pay half of that for him. Let's be honest about it. There's been talk that they, they might offer him shares in actually ownership of the club. There have been various things touted as to ways they could entice Ronaldo back to end his career in Europe, at least with sporting a club where he came through. So, um, I like it. Jack, I'm sure you're all over it as, as Narrative FC. And it certainly, for me, is more romantic than him landing at Chelsea on deadline day, which is a possibility. Like, it, they're a club in desperate need of a striker. We'll talk about this in a minute. Um, but they've obviously had it proposed to them already by George Mendes in this transfer window. They were directly asked if they would be interested in signing Cristiano Ronaldo. Toboli said to him, I don't know. I have to check with the manager. I don't know if he fits. Um, I don't think there was really too many people would have needed to actually ask Thomas Tuchel that question, whether he sees Cristiano Ronaldo fitting in. The answer is no. But at a time when they haven't got anyone else to score goals, maybe it's a proposition. Lads, where where would you like to see Ronaldo end up? Um, Pick a club. Well, I was always on this sporting train, right? I thought it was like the only place that made any sense. But the reports coming out have been that, you know, Huben Amorim, who's, you know, obviously the most successful manager in, in, in the sporting's recent history, has said he's going to quit if Cristiano Ronaldo signs. And, you know, the other report on that was that Ronaldo finds it laughable that a team that have basically started the season so poorly are turning their noses up at him. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a bit one of those really ones. But he said that, you know, he'd basically walk and doesn't want the board signing players without him giving the green light. It's a really weird one. And I don't really get this. I mean, I can understand there's there's elements of, of all these things that are more than just on pitch. But for me, this made the most sense stylistically, as well as kind of from that romantic perspective. Him as the kind of figurehead in, in the way that Amorim plays made sense I thought and 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 that's why I was a bit put out by the whole thing him saying no I don't want him I don't want him at all and I walk away from the club if you sign him back so I don't really know anymore I've basically I've basically kind of lost the one destination in my head that I was really kind of working towards and thinking that's a really nice you know a nice plan and it works for me so is yeah. Am- Amarim is a very still a very young manager, um, very successful recently, but still with a lot to prove, I guess, in terms of reputation. Is he, like many other managers would be, worried about his own ability to manage a character the size of Cristiano Ronaldo? Does he think it's such a detriment? You know, it's a, it's a fair concern yeah. for anybody, you know. It's not that we don't have recent ample evidence at Man United and, and other clubs um, and Real Madrid as well, really, that, that it is, can be quite difficult sometimes because of the size of his personality and the size of his his legacy and his career. It's tough. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that Napoli would be would be doing anything smart by by trading potentially trading in a Victor Ozymen, um for a for a, a Ronaldo. I don't think splitting up Ozymen and Kvara is smart. Um, I'd be much more forward looking than that rather than short term. So yeah, I'm running out of destinations too for him, unfortunately. Uh, but sporting still does does technically make the most sense. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll be honest. Like Chelsea is the best team uh, that he could end up at, um, and I just find it very unromantic that that that's where he might land at this point. I, 
you know, I think half the Chelsea fan base won't want him. Uh, there'll be certain Chelsea fans that, that are like, yeah, we'll have Ronaldo for a year. That'll be fun. No, I think quite a lot uh, of Chelsea fans would have that. I think that's a fair point. I don't know. Some of my mates are absolutely adamant they don't want Ronaldo because they've spent their whole life hating him. So they're, they're finding it very hard to come to terms with the fact that he might be playing for them. Um, but like, this is the other thing and why you might win him over. Again, Like looking at the Champions League groups, remembering that Ronaldo wants to uh, continue building his legacy, get beyond the groups. Chelsea's uh, Champions League group, Group E, Salzburg, Dinamo Zagreb and AC Milan. Um, Looks get out of a love. Looks get outable of indeed, and uh, looks like the potential to get some goals uh, for for Cristiano Ronaldo. So again, maybe there's a possibility there, and you'd have to say that Chelsea do lack at this moment in time that that nous to to get wins in the Champions League in the attack. Like, look, if they get Aubameyang through the door, of course that's that's part of the problem solved, and maybe by the time people listen to this, that has happened. And okay, but Aubameyang. Sterling, things are starting to change there, but like still, Cristiano Ronaldo, Champions League, these two things go hand in hand, and it, and it's very, a very nice one to have up your sleeve. Mm. Is there just yeah, one more club I can add in here? Just it's so ridiculous, but it almost so ridiculous it kind of makes sense. Just bear in mind the lack of depth up front. Bear in mind they don't have a second striker. Bear in mind the fixture crunch. Real Madrid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's you know it's been loosely spoken of, and I think in Madrid they they've played it down the idea of a return. Um, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I hate that yeah. term. I don't hate the. I don't hate it. Um, and who knows? I mean, it's funny. I was talking to someone today, and they were saying about um, I was talking about Memphis Depay because um, he's been touted around and obviously Man United have been linked. He was supposed to go to Juve. And he said there was a feeling at Barca when they were going to let him go for free that they suddenly heard that there was a potential that he was going to end up at Madrid as Benzema's backup. And they were like, whoa, 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 hold on, what? <laughs> like, yeah. we're not risking this. You're not ending up in Real Madrid. Like, if you're leaving here, you're going to Juventus or you're going somewhere else. Like, you're not being you're not being a competitor to us. Um, so, yeah, Madrid obviously could do with a, a backup to, to Ben's and uh, that would certainly be a deadline day storyline to watch out for if he was to land there but um, I'm going to move on from Ronaldo now um, I'm just going to land at, at two at, at Chelsea because Chelsea need a forward and if it's not Ronaldo then what is it well um, obviously as everybody's been reading about and hearing about Anthony Gordon and Aubameyang are, are the two they're up in the air at the moment. As of this morning, Aubameyang looked more likely to arrive than Anthony Gordon. Aubameyang looking at around £20 million to land at Chelsea. Um, Anthony Gordon looking more like a £70 million signing, upwards of £70 because Everton don't consider uh, 60 plus 10 enough to sign Anthony Gordon. I was told Chelsea still have one more trick up their sleeve. They're, they want to still go for Gordon and they've got one more trick that they're going to try to get him into Chelsea. So we'll wait and see what happens. But let's look beyond those two because I don't want to, I don't want to what wait. Is, what is that. the trick? Is the trick, is the trick offer it. 70 million? Yeah. I think the trick <laughs> is probably more like an offer, offer brosier on deadline day. I think that that's probably, the, that's right. probably the trick. Um, but let's look at who else they might bid for here. Wilfred Zaha, that's been talked about quite a lot. Um, and it's definitely got potential. 
Um, the other one, which is really left field, but I'm told like just keep an eye on it, just in case it's last minute and they go for it, is Ivan Tony. Um, don't think it's likely, but it's been looked at. Like his figures in that Brentford team are good for a team that's new to the Premier League. He's done pretty well, um, and the problem they've got is that Ivan Tony isn't actually cheap at all. Like he's going to be at least fifty million pound, and that was in a normal day, let alone deadline day. So I'm not saying that will happen either, but like look out for it. Zaha, I think, is more likely. Zaha is very open to joining Chelsea. Um, they've got pretty much a free run at him. I think, to be honest, at a time when you're looking to spend. 70 million pound on Anthony Gordon put that on the back burner and think about it for a year and sign Wilfred Zaha for 25 million and then in a year think actually should we just get Liao or Nkunku instead of bothering with Anthony Gordon like that might be that might be a better investment I'd say um Without, wholeheartedly you know, agree. I've been very careful. Not, yeah, I don't want to tarnish Anthony Gordon's reputation or his potential or anything here because he's a good player. Yeah. But I'd say Liao and Kunku in a year's time and Wilfred Zaha right now, probably better. Probably yeah. a better idea. They also just, they give Chelsea something that they don't have, which Gordon doesn't. And that's not doubting his ability and that's not doubting that he's a good player, as you say. But he offers them exactly the same kind of profile as they currently have. And that's not what Chelsea well, seem to need right now. Maybe he's going to prove us all wrong and, you know, good luck to him if he does. It just doesn't seem to fit in terms of where how I'm looking at it. Yeah, exactly that. But yeah, this is, a, this is a big deal for Chelsea. Like getting the forward, getting at least one forward, possibly two in is, is significant business to do in these last two days of a transfer window. We shouldn't really ignore the fact they also really could do with a central midfielder. Um, like I think this has been overlooked yeah. for some time now um it's not easy to do at this point it's not a real sign of a breakthrough on it either so just keep that in mind and then in terms of another full another player that they're looking at uh sam you might know more about this guy i haven't really seen him i've only been talking to people about him i haven't actually seen him play is a uh, uh, dinamo moscow arsen zakarian is that how you pronounce his oh, name yeah, yeah, I, yeah I think there, i think maybe. i think um, so i don't know to be honest zakarian maybe Zakar- whatever Zakarian, it is yeah, chelsea Zakarian. like him a lot and they're they're progressing they've been progressing talks and this is one um it might break down by deadline day but they they're seriously looking at it um and i think it fits with the long-term strategy that chelsea have been building alongside the high profile names slonina obviously signed uh, from Chicago Fire, not actually landed uh, in London at this stage. Um, Chukwameka, obviously somebody that they've signed. Cassidy. Um, Cassidy, yeah. 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 Um, obviously, Gordon and Fafana are, are young players with with high ceilings. I guess that that's, you could kind of put them in. They're trying to build this almost underbelly of talent that's ready to come through. Um, this is a relatively think, sensible strategy, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that this guy... Um, Zakarian, however you pronounce him, apologies to him and his family, um, uh, is viewed in that in, the, in that sense. I mean, he was compared, it was told to me, like, if you ever want to find someone who's got the potential to turn into Kevin De Bruyne, then watch this guy because he's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. And I was like, well, that's a hell of a comparison, but okay, I'll look out for that because if, you, if he's a technician of the ball like that, and I did watch a compilation that this guy sent me, and I was like, to be fair, this lad is absolutely ridiculous. But obviously, I mean, it, hard yeah, to compare um, that league to. I wonder if you know Kavara turning up at Napoli and being excellent to begin with has let people trust a little bit more in in leagues maybe outside of the big guns. Obviously, Kavara was 
excellent. I think he won Young Player of the Year in Russia twice um, before he moved back to Georgia. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder if that has some effect on players going, okay, maybe there is a step up to be had here. Yeah. So, so yeah. basically, maybe. the way I, I, I did look at this this morning, actually, as well, Dino, uh, Tuesday morning, and the last report I saw was that Chelsea might have trouble getting this deal done because it's currently very difficult to send money to Russia from England. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, if only they had an old oligarch who was kicking around who knew. Oh, this is the thing. So under Abramovich, they were actually, they'd been looking at this guy for, for a little while. Obviously, like you don't just suddenly stumble across a player like this. Like you're aware of him for a while um, with, with the scouts that they have across the world. And um, yeah, you'd have thought certainly this would have been one, one of for the Abramovich era. Definitely. Um, yeah. He's, good. he's really good. He's really good. He yeah. looks he looks way too good for the Russian league. Um I've seen him three times this season, um, and he's definitely. It's very obvious that he's a cut above the the general standard of the of that league. Um, but he is still. I think he's still nineteen, still quite young. Drifts a little bit in and out of games, um, but the weight of pass that he has sometimes is is genuinely delicious. Which is probably where that Kevin De Bruyne comparison is coming through. That the weight yeah. of pass on the through ball, but. I don't think he necessarily exerts a huge amount of authority on all of these games because he's still so young and developing. So mm. him taking that step into Chelsea, I mean, I would hope that he gets loaned back or loaned out because I don't I don't think he's quite like stepping into this team here and being like, yo, I'm here, let's um let's go, let's score let's score ten goals, let's fix it all. Um I'm not quite sure he's there, but the potential is is brilliant, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just to circle back around to your original point, I think Chelsea spending 50 million on Ivan Tony is a better fit for the system than spending 70 million on Anthony Gordon. And actually, as That's a, a hot take, that is, Jeff. as a move, I quite like it. I'll be honest. I yeah. think he'd fit a Tuchel system. I know that, you know, we've seen this kind of strikerless system, but in terms of his pressing game and in terms of what he offers off the ball as well as on it, I think that Ivan Tony would be a relatively good fit, Chelsea, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair fair Agreed. shout. Right, I'm going to move on now because we've got a lot to get through in this episode and we're only on number three out of ten. And number oh, three gosh. is Tottenham. Tottenham um, are looking for an adaptable right wing back is what I'm going to say. Um, so let's look at the kind of players that we've seen Tottenham linked with um, heavily since they made all those signings at the start. And you're looking at St. Maximum, Dan James, Adama Traore, Carrasco is the latest to be linked. There was some loose links to Hakim Ziyech as well. Um, Carrasco is one that's really, really hotted up in the last sort of 24 hours, really. And it's an interesting one. Um, Dan James, I know, is really admired by Paratici. I know that sounds really weird, and I don't know where that exactly comes from, but Paratici thinks that Dan James is a good fit for what they're looking for in a player. And primarily what they're looking for is actually quite weird. It's a right wing back who can also play up front as a and mainly like off the left Have side. Have I heard of in. Denzel Dumfries by any <laughs> chance? Because <laughs> that man is literally a nine playing at wing back. <laughs> so, so yeah, this is where we're at. And I think, um, I think basically like you think even Perisic and, and what they're getting from him is what they want on the other side. Yeah. And you think, well, hang on, they've signed Jed Spence um, a few weeks ago after battling and battling to get him in and eventually winning that battle and he's not been seen. Um, Matt Doherty hasn't to be fair, he used and... To he used to masquerade as a forward quite a lot, <laughs> Matt True. Doherty. Uh, maybe they but could Emerson just get that Royale, back out. Well, out of nowhere, is like, he's in the team every week. 
Nobody thought that at the start of the season. We thought probably he was third in the pecking order. He's yeah, not. It's, it's those moment, highlight reels he keeps shirt. releasing. He's doing his own hype. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so they want competition at right wing back. But like, I think Jed Spence doesn't fit into the, the current vision. I think he was, um, he's a player that I think will probably be on loan by January, if I'm honest. Um, but yes, they're going to look for this signing and we'll have to see who it is. Now, Adama Traore, obviously somebody they've had long-term interested in, his value had dropped to like 15 million, maybe even under about a month back. It's back up. It's over 20 million now for Adama Traore. Wolves um, have, have hiked it back up. So Why? Just because he's got that goal in. in the cup? <laughs> it was a good goal though, to be fair. I think it's just they're trying to annoy everyone at the moment, Wolves. Because I think they're getting annoyed that everyone's suddenly trying to sign all their players. Mm-hmm. Um, but Carrasco is the one that, um, yeah, as I say, has had the most hype in, in the last 24 hours and right now kind of looks the most likely man to come in and, and fill this role in Conte's, well, 3-4-3 formation, I guess. Um, so I guess the be- the best way to look at this, um, considering people will be listening to this probably even just before deadline or even on deadline day, is for you two, like, what, what would you see as a fit here for Carrasco or Dan James? And did Tottenham need this? Oh my God. I mean, I'm not really, I'm never really going to be in a position where I'm advocating spending quite a lot of money on Dan James, um, unfortunately. Um, I like more, Dan James, uh, but I just don't think he fits what, you just, what you've just what you just literally described. He's, I mean, not, he could he's not the right he, wing back that can masquerade as a nine. He's not. No, but he could be probably, He. it's possible he could be made into a wing back. Like Conte probably believes oh, yeah. that he could, I, I think, he could make I, him into I think a wing back. He, I think he could be a wing back. I just don't think he'd be a nine. <laughs> Yeah, well, he could be a headless he chicken. Side, like, you know, he could, yeah, yeah well, he could be off. He could play off the flank as a f- different type of forward. I guess. When you, but, yeah. um, when you say forward, I'm 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 thinking maybe across that front three, not necessarily as yeah, the, I think, as the nine yeah, exactly. Because um, Richarlison Car- would move in to be the nine. Yeah, yeah. Carrasco can can do. Carrasco is a really good player. He can do this. Um, but Carrasco yeah, it's it's like definitely that. it's just very Conte, isn't it? To be like, what do you need at the end of the window? And he's like, I need another wing back. I need another wing back. I want to make someone else into a wing back. Um, it's so sinister. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Seriously, though, yeah. they should just sign Denzel Dumfries. Like it would just make loads of sense. It just, it just fits. Yeah, I'm sure they were linked at some point, weren't they? Um, but yeah, that that seems to have fizzled out. Anyway, that was number three. Um, so I'm going to move on. We've got number four now, and it's their good mates, Arsenal. Now, Arsenal... They're good friends from up the road, yeah. <laughs> uh, Arsenal need a new attacker and they need a new midfielder. Uh, and I say need because I do genuinely think they need some depth. some depth to this squad because, look, there's no doubt about it. The starting eleven that they've got is pretty much as good as anyone's got in this league. But we're about to find out whether that talent runs much deeper and it probably doesn't, to be honest. Um, they've, they're going to have issues now. Um, once they suffer, suffer issues, I see at like, the moment you've got Partey and El Nene being spoken about as, as injuries and um, absences. Absences, And obviously, like this is part of the reason Zinchenko came in is because he's got the capability to play as a midfielder. But still, they've obviously had long-term interest in Tielemans. There's been the possibility of them signing Ruben Neves. And... This morning I was talking to someone and they were telling me how Artur has been offered to three or four Premier League clubs in the last couple of days. I know one of them is Everton and I'm presuming that Arsenal is one of the other ones because Arsenal have been linked to Artur for quite a while now and it would 
be silly yeah. if they weren't one of the clubs that have been pushed to him. And I'm thinking Artur for basically nothing seems like quite a good option at this point because T. Elements, don't get me wrong, it depends what you believe. I mean, some people believe that T. Elements is going to cost 35 to 40 million. I don't. I think you're getting for 25 million. Um, but if you look, if you were looking like bargain basement deals, Artur seems like a pretty good deal to me. Um, would he fit? I don't know. You two probably have more of an idea on that than I do. He's okay. He's okay. He's okay. Yeah, it's not the it's he's not okay. the player I'd be signing. Apparently, you know, Dennis Zachariah is not happy with how he's been treated in this window. I'd be looking there. I'd be looking at mm-hmm. Conrad Lima. Um Well, Conrad Lima's an interesting one. Yeah, and Liverpool have got an eye on that one. So that's that's interesting. He's definitely got deadline day potential, yeah. But if I was mm-hmm. Arsenal, I'd be going and sounding out Leon over Maxence Kakare. That's what I'd be doing. They can't um, lose all of them, man. I, I mean, I just that's that's the player I'd be like if I was Arsenal. I'd be like, this guy fits, and he didn't you just tell us that it. there was a plane booked from Leon to, Leon to London to today? Yeah, but I think yeah. that's to do with uh, Hussein Awa, who doesn't fit. Well, actually, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> Let's say they've been linked with him for about they three years. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe it is him. Maybe he's actually going to Arsenal. Um, the talk is, you know, I hope he ends up at the Craven Cottage, but we'll see how that <laughs> one pans out in the next couple of days. Um, Maxon's Kakare. That that's the player I would sign if I was Arsenal. On on Arthur, I, th- I think he's like pretty he's pretty safe in possession. Like, I don't think he does a lot with the ball. He's not very enterprising, but he doesn't really lose the ball. He's just a relatively he's a bit negative. Jorginho light, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, what I was going to say is that's ultimately what Mohamed El Neni does for Arsenal right now. Is like they bring him yeah. in to not lose the ball. He doesn't really pass forwards very much, but he doesn't lose the ball. That has its value. It can it can create waves of pressure. Um, so I wouldn't spend big money on our tour, but obviously Juve, as you said, are just trying to just trying to offload probably the wages and that. Um, so I mean, I wouldn't be completely yeah. against it as a bit of a late grab. Yeah, exactly, and I think that that's what exactly the way I define it as a late grab to fill a spot that could become an issue in the coming months. And then again, if you if you needed to address it deeper, then you could you'd always have the January market to go. I mean, we've only got to get to mid November right now, um, and Arsenal aren't going to want to lose their grip at the top top of the table like that. They're 12 points out of 12. Like they're setting the pace. I saw there's a stat whereby um, Mikel Arteta is only the, I think he's become the fourth manager for Arsenal to win four games out of four uh, at the start of the season. Anytime that Arsenal actually have this kind of start, they finished first or second in the table. If they can look to do that, they're definitely <laughs> going to need a deeper squad than this. So we'll have to wait and see. And if they are to do that, that attacker is still missing because... Look, as we say, Arsenal are great on surface level. Dig a little deeper and there might be a problem there. And Nicola Pepe now finally gone. He's gone to Nice. And that means that that Rafinha position that they looked at earlier in in the window is still open. Um, So let's look at the potential forwards that could come in for Arsenal. Um, This may have moved on again by the time people are listening, but Pedro Neto, Jeremy uh, Pina and Marco Asensio are three that have been touted but I think let's let's focus for now on Pedro Neto because that is the one Peter, that Peter Granson have the best the best um, chance now George Mendes has been selling this as a great deal he's going to cost about 60 million pounds right and <laughs> the way that he sells this is when Diego Jota left Wolves a lot of teams had been interested in Diego Jota and weren't quite sure what the level of investment should be on that player and how quickly he could fulfill his 
potential at the very, very top level. And obviously, like... Well, Arsenal know better than anybody how well Diego Jota did uh, because he he to score about eight goals against him in that one (laughs) season. He only seemed to score against (laughs) Arsenal in so many ways. It's fair to say he's done pretty well. Now, Pedro Neto, um, if you're a salesman, which George Mendes is right now, is saying, well, this guy is going to be better than Jota and at £60 million, you won't regret it. So... It's interesting, isn't it? Because what do you do? Because if you if you don't do it now, um, Neto is going to be snapped up. Like if it's not now, then next year. There's no way that Wolves are holding on to him for any longer than that, and he's going to end up somewhere else. So there there is that thing where you're like, oh, we don't want to miss this moment. And because he's been in the Premier League, I mean, you could say they got burned on Pepe by spending seventy two million pounds on him, but that. That was their fault. They, he was worth half of that, and that was that they they got burned on that for a reason because they were silly. But but Neto's got experience and proof that he can cut it at this level. So let's wait and see whether Arsenal are brave enough and bold enough to go and do a deal like this because it would be a real real statement of intent if between now and the deadline they they go for a player of this quality to shake up their attack and to put competition on those players already in those those wide forward roles. Um, I think it would be a real, real interesting one for Arteta to say to his, his front lads, like, done brilliantly. I'm signing Pedro Neto. Good luck. <laughs> so, um, I like yeah. it. But Good fit. I, I, li- I like it, but I like, I like Jeremy Pino to Arsenal. I like that a lot, well, a lot as well. It's just that, Jeremy, Jeremy Pino to Arsenal feels feels good, feels vibes. Well, apparently it's just that because of, I mean, it's better value to be had in him. I think it's the fact that they need a reliable player that can come in and hit the ground running is the one thing that seems to be holding them back on it. That's what I was told. Like, that's why he's not the first choice. Mm. Yeah, no, I just I think at that value that that one could be a really. really I think it's about half of that price. I, mean, yeah. I think he's about yeah, half of that. That for, for Jeremy Fino, I think I think you're in a in a in a good spot to be perfectly honest with you. So we shall see, we shall see. But look, Pedro Neto is one of my favourite footballers in the Premier League. I absolutely love him. I, I think he is a proper little dancer, uh, and he is just you know the kind of player who can spark games into life on his own. A spark, uh, very much one of one of Jack Collins's spark players. Um, but he. Yeah, he fits. He works. I just worry about if you sign a player for that value, does he have to come in as a starter? Um, because at sixty million, you'd think so. Although obviously Nicola Pepe didn't quite make that jump. I think Pedro Neto would, though. I just wonder where he'd where, where he'd come into this team with everybody playing so well. And it, it's a really hard hard one to kind of find that balance between depth and not upsetting what is a very well oiled squad at the moment. So we shall see. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was European football to contend with as well, obviously. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But anyway, the next on number five. So this is the last one where it's really a club focus, and then the, la- the next five after that are going to be player situations. But um, at five, it's Aston Villa, and I think that this is <laughs> this might be crisis time because they need a centre back, a central midfielder, a centre forward, and soon, if they don't fix this, they're going to need a new manager. All eyes are on Steven Gerrard right now, um, and. While I think he's going to be given a little leeway, a little time to, to figure this out and try and fix it for himself, there is a bit of a danger here. And I think um, I think that we'll soon be at panic stations if this isn't solved within a, a few weeks on the back end of the transfer window. If Villa's results have not picked up, I think we'll be looking at some headlines around Steven Gerrard's future. And I think 
a lot of it has to come down to assessing what they've done in the transfer window, the profile of players they've got, the, and whether they've got any value out of it. Now, obviously, some bad luck on Diego Carlos. Like that's you, you can't account for that. And they've got to now going for a new centre back, and they're looking at Bednarak and um, a couple of players at that level. And it's a tough one to have to sign a centre back. But Philip Coutinho, like it, it's. It feels like I've seen a few people describe it as a vanity project and it just feels like a, a gamble that's not going to pay off on, on signing Coutinho and it wasn't a, a huge amount of money but his age and look at how his career had gone in the past few years, it felt like it was a bit unnecessary, um, not gone well. Luca Dean obviously was signed too um, and Kamara was signed too on a free. Now, in fact... Oh, I can't say I was looking at those deals at the time and thinking any of it was a problem. But coming out of it and you're looking like three of them are like 29 or over. Um, on one hand, yeah, you're getting players of prime level for this for the Premier League. But you really expect instant performances out of players that are at that level. And I don't know if Villa are getting that. And you've, you add into the fact that Ollie Watkins doesn't seem to be getting on particularly well with Steven Gerrard. And like... I don't think it will happen now, but there's definitely been a chance up to now that he could have even left. I think that the strategy change has been very different. And I saw some stats too comparing how Steven Gerrard's transfers have gone and his results have gone, say, compared to Dean Smith. And not well. Steven Gerrard's not comparing well to Dean Smith. And I think that the other problem that he's got is that the fan base will turn quicker, I think, on Steven Gerrard than they might have done on Dean Smith, like they were properly behind that guy, weren't they? Well, he was like, Villa born and bred, wasn't he? He was he was I a fan who grew up the, on the whole end. Yeah, I think half of the fan base have turned on Gerard already. They don't like the way he speaks. Um, he, oh, the I way can, he dresses. Yeah, he's, he rubs rubs people up the wrong way, Gerard. Um, you either sort of, I feel he feels like a bit of a marmite figure, doesn't he? And when it's going well, you can you can love his kind of obnoxious streak um, and the way he speaks. And then when it's going badly, it doesn't really stack up as well. Um, yeah, so it's I quite tough. So. I mean, look, mm. the the Carlos thing is sucks, um, and Kamara has been brilliant. Uh, Luca Dean, I think, has had a really poor start to the season. Can't seem to land a single cross. It's really weird. It's supposed to be as mm-hmm. good. It's supposed to be the good bit. And you're right. I mean, obviously, you start to judge Gerard through a slightly different lens when you know you give him um, you give him finished quality products and players. You know, 28, 29 prime players. Therefore, the expectation shifts a little bit. Um, it's not really a problem for me that Villa have signed these players because they spent the last three years before that only buying 22, 23, 24-year-olds. At a certain yeah. point, you're going to have to sprinkle a little bit of experience on, on that and try to make the leap. They're trying to make the leap and it, it's going really badly. Um, yeah, the, the performances haven't been good enough and the results have been quite poor as well. So yeah, I saw a, I saw a bit, of, bit of pressure for Gerard. Um, we'll have to see. I saw links to Jan Bednarek. I would hope for their sake that's a loan because um, if you end up, you know, feeling feeling cornered and spending, you know, fifteen million, for example, on Bednarek or something in 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 a, in a desperate situation, he's ultimately your fourth best centre back. So mm. you need to make sure this is an appropriately priced player or a, or a temporary idea, so that when Diego Carlos can come back, then you're not saddled with with a player like that. But yeah, it's 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 tough. 
Yeah, yeah. I've got um, some big worries here. So uh, Villa's next two games um, are Arsenal and Man City. That's two of the big concerns I've got. They could get absolutely mm. battered in both of those games. Um, Arsenal's away, City's at home. Don't think it really matters at this stage. Um, and then the other concern I've got are the players that they seem to be targeting to fix their problems. Like beyond Bednarak, they're linked heavily with Craig Dawson um, coming in. Um, now, Craig Dawson is looking for a transfer away from West Ham at the moment. Bizarrely, I heard that Craig Dawson lives in Manchester and drives down every day. No wow. way. It's just a lot, isn't it? That is a And lot. always has. Maybe, he's just, maybe he gets the train. It'd be quicker in the train. I mean, he's probably got a driver and probably just sits there. Maybe he's asleep, but that is a commute and a half. And I think Oof. he's fed up with it, apparently. Anyway, um, so Craig Dawson, not that much closer to home. <laughs> having to go Aston Villa training every it's day, is it? a bit closer, though. It's, it's a bit closer. He's definitely so, closer. Also, did they sign him with West Brom or something? Surely he should just be in the Midlands already. <laughs> what a strange, um, what a strange world. Um, anyway, and the other name um, of a forward that's emerged is Brereton Diaz um, from Blackburn. And look, like Brereton Diaz is a good forward, no doubt about it. And there's been a lot of Premier League interest in him. Um, but Brereton Diaz, at a time when you've got Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings, and all those other forwards, is Brereton Diaz actually a step up on any of those attackers? That you've got in the mix. I'd say he's basically the same level as all of those players, and he's not a guarantee of goals. He might have a bit more confidence because of the the way that he's been able to score at Blackburn. But this is this is a big step up. And if you're playing in a team that hasn't got that confidence, isn't scoring openly, isn't creating enough chances for you, it's not going to be a great start. So they're the other two worries. Not just the fixtures. But the profile of player in these last couple of days that Villa can actually attract. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. I, I, what I've kind of think about, and you, you talked about the Coutinho deal. I don't think it's a bad deal by any stretch of the imagination in terms of what they paid. But it didn't make huge amounts of sense considering they'd splashed out on Emi Buendia, you know, the summer before. That's where I that's where I kind of struggled with it. It was kind of like I'm stacking in a position. And again, we're not saying that depth is a bad thing. But you're stacking yeah. in a position where you've already kind of bought a a marquee player who who was kind of ready for that step up, and then you've benched him, and, and it just didn't feel all that comfortable. And I, I worry mm. that they're going to do this again. I was interested there, you know, you you know talking about Ollie Watkins, and I was wondering if that bid for Ivan it's been playing on my mind that Ivan Tony's Chelsea thing. I wonder if Brentford would go back in for Ollie Watkins to try and bring him home. Mm. Um, yeah. with that money because that would that would yeah. be of interest I'd imagine to them what would say Coutinho is the, sure. the rate the rate he limps off games at the moment um, Buendia is getting plenty of playing time regardless yeah, that yeah, is true. true. That is true. That's true. Right. On these last five, I was for them a bit quicker. Um, but at number six, it is actually an Aston Villa player that I just want to quickly talk about. And that's Leon Bailey. His agent put out one of the most ridiculous statements oh. I've ever seen, um, put into a public domain. And I just feel like, one, this is actually a reflection of how Steven Gerrard's reign at the moment is going and his leadership and how it's being perceived within the squad is going. Um, but secondly, it's just the first sign too of, of things crumbling and players just looking to jump ship. So his agent, Leon Bailey, has put out, um, I'll do the short version of it, but um, basically Leon Bailey is a winger first and foremost and should be put in his favourite position. If Villa don't want to let him move to a club that will play him there and utilise his special tools, then basically they're saying let him leave. Um, he wants to deliver for Villa, 
but he can't do this from the bench. He didn't go to England for this. Uh, there's actually more to it than that, but um, that's the abbreviated version of of what his um, father, what his stepdad, and his and his agent, um, Craig Butler, was saying. And now that is a mad thing to put out, and obviously it's not going to help Leon Bailey get in the team. <laughs> Stephen Gerrard won't like that at all. Um, this is one of the reasons that Leon Bailey, by the way, ended up at Aston Villa and not at another club. There was He's had some big clubs chasing him throughout his career and a lot have been put off by the chaos around his life and his management. Um, I know some people that have even dealt with Leon Bailey directly and had problems with, with him. So um, I'm still in therapy. Uh, <laughs> Sam is still in therapy from his direct um, engagement with with this man that we've been talking about. Um, yeah, <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. And we won't go into that right now. But anyway, look, since this since this went out, there has actually been some some interest in, in Leon Bailey. Um, I'm told Ajax, one of the teams that that are interested in taking Leon Bailey, but also there's been a couple of other clubs touching base about Leon Bailey's potential availability in this window. So as we're talking about potential deadline day transfers to look out for, maybe he becomes one if he's genuinely this unhappy. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, Villa could do without losing Bailey because he's excellent. Um, but I can, yeah. yeah, this this wasn't this wasn't pretty, was it? We saw this and we're like, ooh, don't like that at all. Ajax like, could definitely use a left-footed right winger. I heard yes, they've lost good. a big one. Mm, apparently so. Apparently so. Yeah, that'd be an interesting move. Quite like that as a fit, Sam. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah. Right then. Um, but yeah, so let's move on to number seven. And it's Huang to Leeds. Um, this is a rumour that's been going around for the last week or so. Um, and I found it a strange one a little bit. But obviously, Jesse Marsh um, knows Huang from his um, involvement at RB. And um, this is a Definitely one that he's interested in doing. Now, look, Wolves, as I've talked about before, are fighting off a lot of bids for players at this stage, um, whether it's Neves or Neto or Adama. And Huang just comes into the same bracket. Now, the one thing with Huang is that he might be the one that they see as they can actually let go of. Now, this this, do, this deal I'm going to mention might have actually happened by the time it goes out because it has been progressing and that's, they've been looking to sign Sasha Kolodzic. Yeah, that looks mm. like it's moving. And that, so that could be completed very quickly. And it might be that if they can get that deal done, that they allow Huang to move out. So that's an interesting one. I think he'd be a really good fit for Leeds and what they've been looking for. They've really struggled to find the right profile for what they want in a forward in this window. And I think that would be a really nice fit if they could find a way to get it done. Yeah, I like it a lot. Like it a lot. I think he's a better player than perhaps he's had the chance to, to, to really show. Um, but yeah, he seems to fit Marsh's system at Leeds maybe a little bit better than he fits Larges at Wolves. He played He played for Marsh at Salzburg, right? They crossed over for yeah, a season, I think a season. And then they crossed over again at Leipzig. But I think Marsh actually, uh, well, yeah, kind of, uh, that, well, that obviously didn't go very well for Marsh. So never mind. No, um, well, yeah. But yeah, uh, it, definitely a great fit for Leeds uh, up front. Definitely. Um, I think they'd be, they they would they should be delighted with that if they can pull that off. Seems like a good and I think just buying all the Red Bull players, you know, fine. <laughs> yeah, get Conrad Lima while he's at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Mohamed Kamara would would fit too. Would be a nice one. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but very very good. Um, I can't okay. wait. People did, did knocked go, the RB model, didn't they? They still do. But like, I'd love Fulham to become RB Fulham. The way that they managed to find all these players, like I'm bang up for it. Like let's go for it. <laughs> Jack Mohamed Kamara joined um, Monaco. Oh yeah, that was a good fit. 
We'll say good. <laughs> nice. Well done, everybody. Good, good signings all round. Um, Indeed. Right. Number eight, Cody Gakpo. So Southampton, Hackpo. <laughs> Southampton are going for him. This guy was supposed to end up at Man United. Now he's ended up at Southampton suddenly. So um, Arsenal should be all over this as well. Yeah, 100%. So £25 million bid rejected for Hackpo and Southampton. Um, Saints were waiting for an opportunity to move on this one. They, the door had to be closed on him going to Old Trafford before they could really like convince him to even consider this. And they now we're now in that area where he's available. And it's looking at around 40 to 45 million that you'll actually be able to sign him. This looks to me like a signing that a lot of clubs should be looking at, especially Arsenal. Yeah, 100%. But also, I think Chelsea should probably be looking at this at a time when they're considering spending the types of money that they've been spending. Like, this is one of the few players, actually, that I haven't actually seen them linked to that Man United have gone after. Um, you know, there's been a lot of crossover in their transfer targets and I'm not really one of them. So let's wait and see what happens with this guy. Definitely... Definitely a narrative around him as we head towards transfer deadline because of that rejected bid and the fact that there are other clubs showing an interest. Um, he seems gettable. He's very open-minded about what happens. He's not desperate um, to leave right now because he knows he's going to have other opportunities coming up in the future. But he does want to get to the Premier League. And um, I just, I'll just be very surprised if Southampton were to win the race for him. Yeah, you feel like yeah, everyone else in that mid-range should be should be barging in and putting the same bid on the table, and then you know saying right, and then trying to find a way to convince them and, to convince and him to higher range, Sam. To be honest, you know, you, I, I'd be looking at you know the kind of anyone sort of five down from last season should be looking yeah. in, the, in the Premier League should be looking at that. But there's plenty of teams around Europe who, who could do with a, a Cody Hackworth figure as well. So you know, there's there's a lot here. I mean, if I Dortmund. You know, he could do with probably some some players in this kind of mold, considering that you know Alaire's out. I know they signed. Modeste, it might be too much for them at that point. Might be too much money for for them, but yeah. would fit would fit the model. Like lots to like yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, PSV did not make it to the Champions League, and losing someone like this is is, is potentially kind of the ultimate price you pay. Yes, you lose out on the TV revenue, but this is what actually opens the door for Cody Hackpo to leave PSV for a club like Southampton, like, I don't know, like Everton, like Aston Villa, whoever it is, like without, if you, if you hadn't messed up the Champions League against Rangers, this would, we'd never be talking about this, which this wouldn't be a thing. Um, but this is the kind of the price you pay. Now, as you say, like he does look like relatively happy to stay at PSV. If, if that's what happens, like no problem. Still got lots of time on his side, but yeah, I mean, even Leeds, man, like if Leeds can't get the Huang deal done, I don't know how much money they've got left in the pot, but like there's another one there to add in, like, should be all over this. Yeah, mm. yeah definitely. Yeah, 100%, definitely. Um, right, number nine. Uh, these last two will be quite quick. Uh, this is a player, actually, i never actually seen play, but you two probably have. Um, now, his official name, Quadio Kone. I believe he's going by Manu Kone. Kone! Is that right? Love Kone. There we go. So he plays for Gladbach and is attracting a lot of attention in England, primarily from Newcastle right now. But I know Chelsea have scouted him too, so I'm sure others also have him on the radar. Oh. Um, initial inquiries were over a, like a £30 million deal. I was told that, that won't be enough. Might be up towards 35 if you were to entice him at this stage of a transfer window. Um, definitely a player to look out for for potential offers um, to come in the next day or two. Um, what kind of fit is he lads like what kind of he's a very very busy midfielder 
box to box, does a lot of a lot of everything, but weighted more towards the defensive side, I'd say. But can but so can Chelsea could do with him then? Chelsea, yeah, and, 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 and we're he's... talking about Arsenal in that gap, right? Like oh, both yeah. of them. I mean, I know we're going around the same things a little bit in some ways, but these yeah. are the the positions of, of yeah. need. But I think he'd be excellent at Newcastle. That'd be him and him and Bruno Guimaraes in midfield is is a bit of a vibe. Thank you very yeah. much. I do like mm. it a lot. He's all over six foot as well. He ticks most boxes. To be honest with you, he's really really good. He actually so he came from Toulouse, Dean, and he replaced Ibrahim Sangare when Sangare moved on and he mm-hmm. stepped into midfield as the sort of uh, youth product that stepped into yeah. the breach and um, and then it immediately moved because he was so good. <laughs> they realised, right. Glad- Gladbach realised it immediately and, and took him. So he's not even been at Gladbach very long, only a year and a half. Um, really good player. But he yeah, was I loaned back, one. wasn't he? He was loaned back to he, lose. He, he got loaned back for a year, year or half a year and... Um, and then, it, and then he's just played one full season at, at Gladbach. Basically, that's it. Yeah. Wow. Well, hell of a trajectory is on. Um, so, yeah, let's look out for that one. And then at number 10, um, you don't have to look out for this, actually, to deadline day because it can run beyond that. And that is um, the one and only Ross Barkley, who has been released from Chelsea. They've terminated his contract. He is now available. Um, and I think this is probably good news for Ross Barkley because he, he gets... Um, to have a bit more freedom here and weigh up like exactly what he needs and wants for his t- career to get back on track. Um, yeah, as a free agent, I think that this suits him. There's been a lot of interest in Ross Barkley, but the figures around it were just it was just complicated. And I think in the end, this suited everybody that he'd be set free. And now I hope that Ross Barkley can find a way to get himself set again. And so the, the clubs that are interested at this stage included our Everton, Brighton, Newcastle have been, I'm not convinced they are anymore. Uh, West Ham, Aston Villa, Celtic and Rangers are, are in there too. Um, I would like to see some, I'd like to see him go like Germany or something. To I was going to say, I'd, I'd like, love to see him in the Bundesliga. I'd love to see him go to a different league. Serie A Bundesliga, get Ross Barkley. I'd probably end up at Nice with everybody else, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nice needs something. But, I don't know if yeah. it's Ross Barkley, but they need something. No. But Bundesliga for me, like, come oh, on, somebody, maybe Gladbach. Could, could I throw don't know, guys. I don't, I don't know if his hamstrings can handle the Bundesliga. I'm genuinely really? not sure. Yeah, something he needs a bit, something a bit slower, or just go to Turkey. Yeah. I'd say Serie A or Turkey. That's where I land on Ross Barkley. Yeah, I just want him to see him do something a bit left field. I was going through the clubs that have, have registered interest, and I was like, this is boring, and this is too predictable, and most of it won't work. Like. Go out of your comfort zone, reset yourself and, and have a re- really knuckle down for a couple of years in an environment that is totally fresh and new and challenging. And you might get something else out of your game because Ross Barkley is at a really key stage now and it's only going to go, he's only going to spiral if he gets the next move wrong. Um, so I hope, I hope Ross Barkley can make the right move and um, yeah, we might see. Well, we will see him in, obviously sign for somebody, but it might be on the back of the transfer window rather than in the next couple of days. Werder Bremen. That's where there I want go. to see him. Werder Bremen. What a way to end this segment. Ross him Barkley and, to Werder him, Bremen. Him and Ollie Burke together, is it? Him and Ollie Burke back together. The boys having a great yeah. time in Bremen. That's what I want to see. There you go. There's my, there's my sixpence on Barkley it. Barkley and oh, Burke in Bremen. One of Love those it. kind of 
two positions behind the striker for Eintracht. Bang it. It just hit just long distance bullets from for days. That's it. That's what I'm looking at. Um, Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be lots of fun if we saw Ross Barkley make a left field move. I completely agree with you, Dean. Um, Very good. Well done. That was a a long segment and you've done a lot of work there, DJ. So thank you very much. That's um, some things an eye on. Uh, Right, we'll be back after the break for a quick Melon of the Week and of course, the gibberish rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our third and final segment. And it's time, Dean, for one last bit of work from you. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is pretty harsh, but it's Mo Salah. It's Mo Salah. I'm going here. No I'm way. Going here. Oh, Toxic you Dean's think- back. <laughs> like, oh, I am actually going to rip into him. Sod it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Mo Salah, 9-0 against Bournemouth. This question was put to me yesterday. If you'd have known, if you play FPL, say, and you're told, right, Liverpool beat Bournemouth 9-0, are you triple captaining Salah? Yes, yes, yes. You're 100% going to triple Mo Salah if you're told that the end result is going to be Liverpool 9, Bournemouth And he'll play 90 minutes. (laughs) And he'll play every single minute of that game up front. Mo Salah will not give you many points uh, because he gets no goals and he gets no assists. More than that, he misses an absolute sitter, an absolute sitter. And this doesn't make any sense why how he's missed this, why he's gone with his wrong... Like, why does Mo Salah always insist on using his left foot? You've got a right foot, mate. Just knock it in. Um, yeah, it really annoyed me because I have got Mo Salah. He was my captain. Uh, it was Melanish from him. I'm hoping... It's personal, he, isn't it? <laughs> it's very personal, but I'm giving him one more chance. He can repay me for this and he can repay all of us for this because uh, Liverpool's next fixture, obviously, is against um, Newcastle. It's on Wednesday night when most people are going to be listening to this podcast on probably Wednesday, Thursday. So half will know, half will won't if, if this has come true. Mo Salah can pay me back against Newcastle. He can show that he, he just waits for the big games to turn up and he likes to be the difference maker rather than scoring a silly 9-0 win. Mm. He likes to hold his goals back for when they really matter and get all those bonus points too. Um, so come on, Mo. Pay me back and I'll... And I'll You'll um, retract I'll your that. melon. I will retract the melon if he can, if he can, buy, if he can deliver against Newcastle. Oh, fair enough. I thought that was going to be some contenders. Three. Scott Parker's post-match comments, um, as opposed to uh, they've now actually got him sacked, might well have might well have been a contender in this point. What was his post-match? I didn't see his post-match. Like, uh, he was, they were like, is this the lowest point? He was like, no, actually, I can see a few more, to be honest. If uh, <laughs> a way to inspire confidence in your players, Scotty. Um, you know, see a few the more. The owners come out and he's been sacked and the club statement's like, yeah, we just need a manager with like, respect, belief in our players. And yeah. they were like, if you don't buy into like the sustainable strategy that we're employing, at Bournemouth, then then why were you here in the first place? Like, it was all just a bit messy. And look, Scott Parker is uh, well, he's got the boot. He's uh, he's he won the do. sack race. Congratulations hey. to um, four Parker. games. Well done, uh, Dean. Four we're games. four weeks into the Premier League season, and you've given out three Liverpool melons. Yeah, there's, mm. people are going to start saying there's an agenda. <laughs> not only did I not only did I give out Liverpool melons when they were doing badly, I've given them one when they've won nine nil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, they, they can't win. They cannot win. It's um, it's it's an agenda. It's firmly an agenda. It okay. has become personal. Yeah, I didn't even realise, but yeah, must be. There we have it. 
Gibberish Siren, Sam, go. Yeah, this week it's the top three superpowers that I would love to have. The age-old discussion, obviously. obviously. Have you done this before? It feels like someone might done. have touched on before. but no. I think we just talked about it in the pub a few times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not done. Don't think I've done superpowers, at least I don't remember doing it. It's after so. a few pints. I don't remember doing it. And uh, number three is perfect memory. No, I'm kidding. Um, number three <laughs> is the ability to generate beams of heat from my eyes. Very specific, very left field. Um, yeah. Keynote, I can control how hot the beams are, ranging from mild heat to steaming hot. A um, couple of uses for this. Uh, first of all, I'm really sick of ironing, and I just want to be able to instant iron and steam my clothes just by looking at them. I don't want to have to get mm-hmm. the ironing board out because it's behind the clothes racks and the pet food in the cupboard and I don't want to have to get the iron off the top of the big freezer because the cord drops down and then I get jammed in the freezer door and then I sometimes leave it open and everything defrosts. So looking to make my improve improve my daily life here. Um, second of all, expensive winter, guys. Sam, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. You, okay. You, you have a choice of any superpowers in the world and you've chosen basically speed ironing. That, that's what you've got for. <laughs> that's where we're at is it that really lets you know how sick i am of ironing but there's a, there's, a, there's a second use to this it's going to be an expensive winter guys you've seen these energy is, bill yeah. predictions what about if you don't have to pay for your heating what if it comes out of your eyeballs hmm? but how would you so, do that what are you going to do set the house on fire no no I, no i can do a very small amount of heat and i'm warm well, myself what? up or what the radiators? Like the wall? <laughs> no, what the radiators with his eyes? Just the uh, the sofa and Rach and me, and then just the room, and then just yeah. close, and then shut the door. Um, okay, that's easy. Also, you could just like you don't have to boil the kettle anymore. You could just look at a cup of like water, water. with like well, yeah, and it just heats it up and becomes coffee. <laughs> like, this, this is this is a real waste. But alas, it's your it's your ranking. Well, look, mine. man, I've got three. I've got three. That's my third one. Number two is much, I'd say, much more traditionally useful. It's regeneration, the ability to heal. Now, I personally really need this. I'm very, very accident prone, very clumsy. Just yesterday, I picked up a concussion, which I've miraculously recovered from in time for the podcast. Luckily, Dean's doing the rankings. Um, And if there were any wonky football (laughs) takes today, just blame it on that. It's my fifth or sixth. Blame this ranking on this, at least. Yeah, maybe. Mm, well, it's my fifth or sixth concussion. I can't remember exactly how many I've had, um, but it's starting to look pretty bleak. But that's really, you know, apart from apart from you know healing the brain, I've got all sorts of battle scars from football over the years. I wish my ankle was not had not torn ligaments twice. I wish wish I could get that back. Um, also, presumably, if you can regenerate, I'm guessing you're immortal. How do you, would that would that would that follow? Yeah. Would you yeah, want to be immortal? I think, so. I think well, immortality might be a bit overrated, to be honest. So like obviously, not, you know, who I'm wants to live forever, said Freddie Mercury. I'm I'm kind of with you, but then I do also like I do feel it's my duty to last hundreds of years and you know go around and tell people in a hundred years' time exactly how good Lionel Messi was, because I was there to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly that. how good Cristiano Ronaldo was. I was there to see it. I was there to see these these moments. I saw these players. None of this, oh, I don't know exactly how good Pele was. I never saw him play a full 90. You know, none of that. I'm the messenger from the past. I can tell you exactly how good these players are. This would help me become the ultimate rank god. <laughs> that would. That is true. That is true. For the good of the yeah. podcast, your immortality might be might be something we'll have to look into um, as a mm. as a permanent kind of. Job. And you would make all the money from the pod because we and Jack would be long gone. 
Mm. That's yeah, true. You, yeah, you, all you of them. Make it all I mean, you yourself. could still you still couldn't live off it, but at least you'd have a bit more than you do now. That's very yeah, true. You'd be yeah, okay. Nice. You'd be just about all right. <laughs> What's number one then, Sam? <laughs> teleportation has to be teleportation. This is it, right? This is the dream. Zero travel costs. Never go to an airport ever again. You never miss a train. Go to Bali for the afternoon. Dinner in Australia. Back in home. Back at home in bed in London by eleven p.m. How good would that be? Teleporter, instant teleportation. Yeah, this is a fair That'll one. Be good. This is a good one. Yeah. Um, I can't believe you've you've eschewed flight for the uh, ability to oh, iron no. your clothes quickly. Oh no, <laughs> not interested in that. What do I always tell you, Jack? I'm scared well, of heights. You was, no, you are scared of heights. Oh yeah, but you wouldn't be if you could fly. Oh, I would not. Be. You're not scared of heights. <laughs> you're scared of falling. That's what mm. it is. And if you could fly, you'd never fall. So therefore, you wouldn't be scared of height anymore. There is some proper logic there from Jack. Yeah, I absolutely. don't. Yeah, uh, but I also just don't agree. I'm scared of heights. Flight, <laughs> flight, invisibility, and teleportation. I think I'd have to take. Yeah, mine might be that too. Actually, that's so too mainstream. It's very. It is very mainstream. I agree. It's with too you. mainstream. Uh, but it's better than ironing your clothes quickly. So I'm going to take it. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Um, actually, no, mine would be to fire out spider webs from my um, wrists because Dylan would love that. Yeah, that would really make it, make it more exciting for the little ones. Yeah, He always just looked. The other day I had like a cut on my wrist and he asked me if I could fire cobwebs out of it. Um, I was like, he was so disappointed when I said no. Yeah. Oh, sorry, mate. Can you do webs up? Can you do a web now? No, mate. No, it's just a cut. Oh. Sorry, my man. <laughs> he, he lost all respect for me in that moment yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> um very good well done sam um i disagree with you wholeheartedly but um on, on the whole i enjoyed it uh, mostly with the pure nonsense i'm going to put it down to that concussion as you said um, and on that bombshell we are going to call this a day and all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to mr dean jones wonderful ranking today my friend cheers mate thank you very much sam Tsai. yeah nice one mate great shift dean yeah, good shift. Good work. Good work from all involved, um, which was basically not me. Um, thank you. Thank you to me, though, because, you know, without me, oh, it, yeah, wouldn't, it, so. wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. Um, so here we are. Um, this has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for listening as ever. We hope that you've enjoyed this. There's going to be another episode this week, of course, looking back at deadline day and the madness that ensued upon it. That'll be with you later on this week. Um, thank you for listening. It's been a real pleasure as ever. Take it easy. Bye.